Hello and welcome to Valley West Cinemas. I'm your host Aaron and this is the podcast where we take a group of related films and eliminate all but three. Today I'm joined by Tara. Hello Tara. What's up guys? I have my list and my red pen ready because today we're discussing Pixar. Now once upon a time, Pixar was Pixar. It wasn't Disney at all, but now it's Disney adjacent, right? Or is it kind of, it's part of the Disney umbrella in the same way that Star Wars is. Yeah, they're basically a production studio in Disney. But they weren't for several years. Right, right. Up until after the release of Toy Story 2, so I believe it was right before Cars came out, Pixar was a production studio that had a partnership with Disney. And so they had a, I want to say it was like a five film deal. I forget the exact details, but essentially they had a deal where they were going to make five movies for Disney. And Disney wanted Toy Story 2. And Toy Story 2 was going to be a one-hour straight-to-video sequel. Oh, Disney has such a great track record with these. Yeah. Well, this this was the era of the straight-to-video sequels like <laughs> Return of Jafar and Cinderella 2 and 3. Hey, uh, hey, hey. I will not hear any smack about Cinderella 3. I like Cinderella 3. Yeah, it has time travel. Every, are, that's what Cinderella needs is time travel. Yeah, but you forgot all the other really, really bad ones oh, like yeah, Lady Tarzan 2. Lady and the Tramp 2. Pixar had this deal with Disney making a select number of films, so I think it was five. And so Toy Story 2 was going to be straight to video, and it wasn't going to count as one of those five because it wasn't a theatrical film. So the contract said it has to be five theatrical films. Mm, there's the rub. Disney didn't feel that Toy Story 2 counted as far as satisfying this contract. And Pixar was like, this is a film we're you making for you. Film. You asked for you know five films, whatever the deal was. And so Pixar was essentially put in a situation where they had to make an extra film kind of for free for Disney. And so they were going to leave Disney. They were they were going to go off on their own. But then in like, what, 2006 or so, Disney actually bought Pixar, but in such a way that the Pixar people took over Disney Animation. And the first thing that John Lasseter did was cancel all of the straight-to-video sequels. That's when they stopped. We could have had Lady and the Tramp 4, 5, and 6, and they canceled this? Yes, yes, I know. Disney, well... well, We could have had Bambi 15 by now? The thing is, in that era, the home video market was still huge. With streaming, it's kind of dead. There's really not such a thing as a home video market anymore. So instead, this stuff would go direct to streaming? Well, I have no idea. I have no idea how they would adapt it, but either way, they stopped. They stopped making all the straight-to-video sequels, thankfully. The films we'll be discussing today are the Toy Story series, Up... Brave, Coco, Monsters, Inc., Monsters University, A Bug's Life, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, The Incredibles 1 and 2, The Cars series, Ratatouille, Wally, Onward, Luca, The Good Dinosaur, Inside Out, and Soul. Really, the first thing that comes to mind for me as far as Pixar is consistency. Very true on the consistency. I would say the only downside with Pixar is that you expect a lot from them when they say they have a new movie coming out. Right, and, and even the lesser ones, like you might, you might not love all of them. But they're all pretty good. And so with a list like this, it's kind of like the anti-Razzie list. Where (laughs) where on the Razzie list, we had to struggle to find three that we wanted to keep. And on this list, like as an example, I don't like Luca or Onward or The Good Dinosaur. And so for me, those are easy to cut. But I'm not saying they're bad movies at all. I mean, they are still Pixar quality. So even the worst Pixar movie is better than a lot of other movies. Yeah. Especially animated ones. For me, I will say, though, that the majority of this episode will be Tara convincing me to keep anything other than Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. I mean, we'll just get right into it. I love The Incredibles. The Incredibles 1 is so good. It is the and best Fantastic Four movie ever made that isn't called Fantastic correct. Four. Correct. And I love Wally. I saw Wally a bunch of times in theaters. Wally is one of my all-time favorite movies. But the Toy Story trilogy, and yes, I'm, I'm excluding part four. We'll get to that. The Toy Story trilogy, I think, should be held right up there with any other, air quotes, the trilogy that people talk about. 
when you mention a trilogy in a movie conversation, it's always Godfather, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, sometimes Back to the Future. And I don't know why Toy Story is not ever really included in those. Nobody ever brings up Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. And the only thing I can think of is either it's the disconnect between animation being for kids or not, or Toy Story 1, 2, and 3 is not really one long storyline. Like you can draw a straight line through the Godfather series, through Lord of the Rings, through Back to the Future. You can almost kind of say they're all one big movie. The Godfather, Lord of the Rings, and so forth, those are epics. I hate to use that word because it's been grounded to the dust so often, but Toy Stories, one through three, I don't know if that classifies as an epic. Right. They are individual stories. They're individual films. And there is growth between them, sure, but it's not one big story. And maybe that's why. And plus they have number four, so you can't have a trilogy with four movies. Well, that came later. I mean, even Lord of the Rings has the Hobbits. You know, yeah, whatever. but that's not Lord of the Rings, though. Same cast, same makers, close enough. Like it's, it's, but it's a different the, story. Right, but they bleed together. Would you count it as a great trilogy if, say, The Incredibles had a third one? No, because two is not that great. Just checking, just checking. I don't really have much of a complaint. It's good. I like Incredibles too, but I mean... Compared to the other gold standard that Pixar has with other movies, okay, it's a silver standard, which is still gold standard by other movies, but it's still silver as opposed to the usual Pixar. An 8.5 out of 10, which is still pretty good. I'm going to cross off Incredibles too. It's fun. It's got some good casting. It's got um, Better Call Saul. I forget his name. Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. And he plays that part well. He's an awesome guy. It's a great sequel. It starts off right where the first one ends. But other than Edna Mode, the movie's just kind of, you know, it's a it's a Pixar silver. I still like the characters. Other yeah. than the bad guy, which is kind of boring and lame. But Frozone's in it and he's really fun. And Jack-Jack's in it. We see his powers. We see him with Edna. But yeah, but again, when you're looking at this a list of Pixar movies, an 8.5 is kind of where we draw that line of not being quite good enough. That's not a complaint. Most movies are not an 8.5 out of 10. We have to come up with something to complain about to eliminate these movies because most of them, aside from like, there's maybe four that I personally don't care for. But other than that, it's going to be hard to come up with a valid reason other than personal favorite. You love the characters still. They're still fun. The villain's kind of boring compared to Syndrome, but most villains are boring compared to Syndrome. Syndrome is so great. Uh, I guess we'll just keep talking about it. Then we'll talk about part one. So I'm not ready to eliminate Incredibles 1, even though... I don't know what's going to happen because of the Toy Story trilogy, but Incredibles 1 is so good. And it's weird how Pixar is able to take these sort of adult ideas of boredom with your career. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and, and the a, scenes with him at work with Bob, you're like, I feel this every single day sometimes. Right, yeah. And in trying to hide their identities after the fact, it it's so good. It's so good. And even like toxic fandom. Yes, the stuff with Syndrome, and mm-hmm. it's just such a fun story. Yeah, it's so good. It's, it's As Tara said earlier, it's the best Fantastic Four movie that's been made so far. From the start to the end, it's mm-hmm. just it's just fun. Yeah. Especially like the kids with their powers, like the little boy putting the tack on the teacher's mm-hmm. chair. <laughs> yeah, and it's weird to think about how this came out before the MCU. So Incredibles was 2004, Iron Man wasn't until 2008. So the first one came out before the huge superhero boom. Incredibles 2 just couldn't live up to Incredibles 1. It could have. Toy Story 2 did it. It could have, and then but 3 it didn't. Did it. Um, I'm holding on to Incredibles for now. I always have the right to drop it later, but it's going to be so hard. Pixar is, again, consistently excellent. On the show, we always try to weigh favorite versus best versus important. As far as best, you can make the argument for almost all of them. So ultimately, it's really going to come down to favorites. 
everyone out there is going to have a different favorite, of course. And so someone might be screaming at their radio listening to us. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you there's someone out there who loves Inside Out and Brave way more than we do. And, and that's, that's fine. And that's great, too. And that, that just shows you how good Pixar movies are, that any one of these could be your favorites. Like anybody could pick a random selection of three and tell me that these are their favorite Pixar movies. And I would just sort of nod and be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's not going to be the same toxic fandom you get with Star Wars. People are arguing over the prequels, the sequels, the miscellaneous other standalone films. Which one is the best? Well, it's easy. The original trilogy. Duh. Yeah, but I mean. No, that's the only answer. <laughs> I'm just no, saying. It's, no, it's only the first three. <laughs> I'm going to hold on to The Incredibles 1 for now, but 2, you're out. I'm yeah, sorry, that's fine. Man. Yeah, that's fine. After Disney bought Pixar, there is this sort of sense of Pixar becoming a bit of a sequel factory. Sequelitis. I don't know how much of that is them. I don't know how much of that is Disney. I know for the Cars series, it has to do with toys and merchandise. Cars 1 wasn't really beloved. That was the first Pixar movie where people were kind of like, eh, okay, you know, whatever. The sequel to Maximum Overdrive. There's oh your God. Stephen King thing. Who made the cars? Who made them? But either way, where are the humans at? Right, Why mind. do they still have seats and seat belts? Oh, that trips me out. Maybe that's like their guts. Anyway, no, moving <laughs> they on. They don't we're, have their guts or no, <laughs> We're not, not going to get into who made them. That's fine. No, uh, <laughs> they, they killed humanity. But no, uh, the reason they made Cars 2 is because Cars 1 sold $2 billion in toys. $2 I mean, billion. Dollars. And so if you're wondering, why did they make a sequel to Cars? That's why. Even before Cars, you had Matchbox and Hot Wheels. And those things still sell nonstop. And they've been around since we were kids, if not beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the time Cars came out, they already pretty much had a market that they could delve into. Yeah, because these are yeah, Cars. The toys make themselves, basically. Disney also made Planes. And so the Planes movies, Planes Part 1 and then Planes Fire and Rescue... Those were actually made by Disney. The look is the exact same. Like, they are completely aping off the Cars look, and even the advertising was from the world above Cars. If there's a world above, then there should be a world below as well. Would those be, like, all the, the mining equipment? Or? Well, I, was gonna, I thought you were going to say, like, submarines. I would watch a movie with uh, submarines with eyes. That'd be kind of cool, actually. Cars World War II with, like, battleships. Oh God, we're doing Cars World War II and battleships. Yeah. Okay. The sequel to Roger Rabbit was going to take place in Vietnam. It was going to be called Toon Platoon. Oh, my God. Yeah, seriously. So I do like the Planes movies. They are light and fluffy, definitely a little more kid-oriented. But they're, they're not Pixar, though. They're not Pixar, and they're not on this list, and they're not high art. But I'm just saying that I do I do kind of like the Planes movies. They're cute. They're fine. Kind of along the same lines as Cars 3. So we'll get to Cars 2 in a second. Cars 3 is kind of like the Planes movies, where it's a lighter movie. It's not really too heavy in its themes, but it is cute and kind of fun. I like Cars 3. I'm sorry, Cars 3. You're cute, but cute's not going to save you right now. Yeah. I need an A+, and you're giving me a B. And I know we said that they're all pretty good. I think Cars 2 is the one. It's very hard to make an argument for Cars 2. If you like Mater, it's good, I guess. But to make a sequel to Cars, which was about an egotistical celebrity who has to go to a small town and learn the value of friends and trusting other people, and it's basically Doc Hollywood. If you watch Cars, it's essentially a remake of Doc Hollywood. With cars. With cars. And then, oh, our sequel is going to be a mistaken identity spy comedy? And like, it's going to have Mater as the big guy. Right, the sidekick, the funny guy. If the sequel to Frankenstein was about Igor becoming like a <laughs> runway model. What are that, they doing? That could be good. No, I honestly, honestly, when I, <laughs> when I said that, I'm like, I do want to see that now. I do like Cars 1. Part of it, I have to admit, is because I am a big Disneyland fan. And when Cars Land opened at Disneyland... <laughs> ah, there it comes. It looks like Radiator Springs. It's incredible. 
And so I became more appreciative of it. And I actually do like the film now. Like I can throw on cars and watch it. I like cars now. Looking at this list, I already have five movies that I know are going to be a struggle to break down to only three as it is. And so I'm not keeping cars. And I can't really make a good argument for it being one of their best because even without the ones that I really love, there's another 10 that are definitely better. Yeah, Cars was a good start for Pixar, I think, in terms of merchandising, realizing how much money they can actually make off of toys. Story-wise, we've seen this before. I mean, it's better than Incredibles 2, but... No, 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 no. Cars 1 is not better than Incredibles 2. I mean, Incredibles 2 is good, but Cars at least... I think it's a little better, but it's still not going to save itself because I got so much else on this list that deserves to be in the vault. I love Mater, and I know we complained about him becoming the main character in part two, but Mater is so much fun. What happened after Cars? What was the next big one after Cars? You mean like the order of release? Yeah. Finding Nemo was 2003. Incredibles was 2004. Cars was 2006. What was after Cars? I don't know. I'm just going to grab Ratatouille. Go was it Ratatouille? It might no, been, you know, no. no. I just got to go down this list here. It, it might have <laughs> been, been Ratatouille because Wally was 2008. So there's a gap there. So maybe 2007 okay. was Ratatouille. I thought Ratatouille was the name of the rat. And raise your hand if you thought the same thing for the longest no, time. No, it's, it's Remy. It's Remy. But yeah, yes, a, a lot but, of people thought it was the name because nobody eats Ratatouille in America. Like no one knows what that is. I don't even know what Ratatouille is. And I've seen the movie. It's like a vegetable stew. Okay. You cut vegetables in layers. I mean, they show him making it in the movie. Yeah, but they show him making a lot of stuff in the okay, movie. Okay, well, either way. Ratatouille is a fine film. That is such a good movie. It's and got a lot of good details in it. One and also too, like if you watch the film, the backgrounds, like in the kitchen scenes in Paris, there's sort of a watercolor haze over it. The film has a flat look, and normally that's not a compliment. Like modern digital filmmaking has a very flat look that I don't like. But if you watch Ratatouille, it has an intentionally flat look that gives it this sort of fantasy watercolor kind of feeling to it. It's kind of pretty that way. It's a very pretty movie, and it doesn't just look like CG animated streets. It, it looks like a glowing painting. It's good. Ratatouille is a, a very, very good movie, and that's one of those ones that I think would be kind of a black sheep on this list where if you went out and asked at least critics probably to pick the three best Pixar mm-hmm. movies, I think Ratatouille would probably be on there. From a critic's point of view? Yeah. Like oh, this one? it's loved. Even if it's Pixar, suspension of disbelief, it's hard to look at a rat in a kitchen and go, I'm going to eat that food. It's a cartoon, so... I know it's a cartoon. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to a real kitchen with a rat in it. Just Although like, I do like... like they they like, do look, make, like, they you, do no, make no, a no, point hang on. The, hang on. No, no, me first. Like, you, 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 can't use a, you can't use a rat in a kitchen as a knock against the movie because that's like saying, Gotham has so much crime. Why hasn't everybody just moved? It's not real. But I, I do like the idea that all you have to do is like sit on someone's head and just pull their hair back yeah. and forth. Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to get stuck on rats in a kitchen as as a reflection of what that would be like in reality. Like, eh, who like cares? We, we have to kill a few darlings. That's not a reason to kill well, this one. It's hard to pick the, out of this list with all these awesome movies to look at Ratatouille and go, okay, you're not as good as The Incredibles, but list 10 reasons why. For me, I would only cross off Ratatouille because it's not Wally. That's not exactly a good reason. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> It's, when they're all mostly good, it, it's going to come down to favorites. Like, this is seriously, I, I said that this I'm, is the inverse of the M. Night Shyamalan yeah. list, where we were just like, all these ones here are not very good. I'm going to have to cross off Ratatouille. It is a cute movie, but... I won't, no, no, no. It's a good movie. When you say cute, it feels like you're being dismissive. No, it's a cute movie. The characters are fun. It's enjoyable. But for Pixar, it's still like maybe a silver for me. It's just not really one of their greatest. All right. Well, I am also crossing it off. But let's go ahead and then and just knock off a few of the ones that we mentioned earlier that we don't necessarily care too much for. And so for me, I'm just going to say 
Monsters University, Onward, and Luca. I have no problem crossing off those. Okay, hold up on Monsters University for a second, okay. but the other one we have here, uh, Luca and... The Good Dinosaur, those two were more recent ones, and they have a very different like animation style than everything else Pixar's done. For Luca, it was just trying to capture this sort of Italian countryside that, that you would see in postcards in the 1950s. This is the version in your mind. Like This is how you would imagine it. Like If you oh, were if dreaming you were, of Italy okay. in the 1950s, like this is how you would see it. it Not sense. quite reality, but super pretty. I would argue that The Good Dinosaur and Luca are the two that were made by Pixar, specifically aimed at the younger set. I saw the trailers for Luca. It looked really awesome, looked really beautiful. And then I saw the movie and I was like, okay, good movie to watch, but it's not going to challenge you in any way or make you feel anything beyond that nostalgia of, man, if I was a little kid, this would be so yeah, cool. It sounds dismissive, but I would say that they are kids' movies. I wouldn't call Toy Story a kids' movie. It's kid-appropriate, but yeah. Luca and the Good Dinosaur are kids' movies. Pixar movies try to be four-quadrant films where anyone of any age or gender or background could probably like it. The demographics for Luca and the Good Dinosaur would probably be definitely the younger set, that's for sure. And I, I hate to use that as a reason to cross them off, but I just... Eh. The Good Dinosaur had such an interesting premise just from the trailer where what if the meteor that killed the dinosaurs missed? And you're like, okay, that would be really awesome. But then you see the movie and you're like, so they just... They're the same as they would have been if the... Okay. The the meteor missing really has nothing to do with anything. It's really just about a young dinosaur lost and trying to get back home. And that's it. It's, it's homeward bound. It's homeward bound with dinosaurs. You know, what would the dinosaurs have looked like if they had had more time? Would we have eventually seen something like Onward? Oh, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But the dinosaur designs are just so bad. They look like they came out of like the Gumby reject pile. There is a... Well, Gumby-like sort of rubbery look to them. Part of that, I think, has to do with kind of like the Emperor's New Groove. The Good Dinosaur had a hugely troubled production. And so halfway oh, really? through, they pretty much threw everything out and started over. The Emperor's New Groove was going to be a big, dramatic, musical cartoon, kind of like Pocahontas or Lion King. And eventually, if you saw it, you know that Emperor's New Groove became like a Chuck Jones cartoon. That was because they threw out everything. Yeah. And they only had a limited amount of time and budget left to finish the movie. And so they decided to just, to just go full comedy. Which worked in that aspect. But oh, that, not I, I love that movie I, I like, so I, much. I love the Emperor. I like, love Emperor's Krunk New Krunk is like the best guy. I love that guy so much. Not so much the sequel, but just Krunk by himself is hilarious. The Good Dinosaur had the same issue where they had to start over. And so I have no idea what the original movie was going to be. I hate to cross it off just because it's not really made for me. But not I'm going to. Not, I'm it, going it, to cross it off. It's not made for us, but also... It's just kind of there. Like you said, troubled production, but it looks like someone at Pixar was pretty much like, hey, we got to knock this out really quick. It's a simple but that, film. That, that, that fits for the, the intended audience, though, right? But it's still very well made. I mean, there are plenty of crappy kids' movies out there yeah. with very simple premises. The Good Dinosaur is still well made. There are still a lot of emotions in the film. It has the same sort of uh, death of a father figure moment like Lion King does. And but we don't really care about the dad the way we did with Mufasa. That could be argued. I mean, I'm sure somebody does, probably. Either way, The Good Dinosaur is a very simplistic film. It's still very, very well made. And same with Luca, where very simplistic, but Luca at least looks better in my mind. I mean, vastly different films. It's hard to compare yeah. the two. Either way, I'm still crossing them both off. And uh, that's sad, because I had such high hopes for Luca until I realized it's The Little Mermaid, but aimed with sea monsters instead of mermaids. And Vespas. Yeah, what's with the Vespa? Did someone at Pixar like, buy stock in Vespa? One of the other ones I mentioned was Onward. 
I do not like. I did not like Onward. I know some people did. It came out right before the world sort of ended. <laughs> yeah. I think one problem with Onward, and this is just nothing to do with the movie, it was in theaters right when COVID actually started. At least people started paying attention to COVID and the theaters closed down. Well, the lockdown happened uh, after its second weekend, I believe. A lot of people won't necessarily feel this way, but the Chris Pratt character in that. I really hate when characters in movies don't treat situations in a serious way. And I don't mean that everyone has to be dire all the time, but there comes a point where even a goofy character has to realize that their lives are in danger and he will not stop talking about this like D&D type game Mm -hmm. and making fun of their situation. They're in genuine danger and there comes a point where it's just frustrating that I hate him so much. (laughs) Onward, again from the trailer, looked pretty cool, except... I don't know about you, but if I had the choice between light bulbs and air conditioning or magic spells I could bring people back from the dead, I'm probably going to work towards the magic part. I do like the montage in the beginning where it shows them adapting, going from the magic to like, oh, here's a light bulb. That was fun. I like that. I've often said before that road trip movies are some of the least enjoyable films for me. Mm -hmm. With Onward, the fantasy element is cool. I love the idea of it. I feel like they could have gone a little more satirical. It could have been funnier. If a manticore were to open like a McDonald's type restaurant or a TGI Fridays, mm-hmm. that's kind of funny. There's there's comedy to be had there. Yeah, there but is. all she does is just like scream and shoot fire. Does she shoot fire? I think she does. And then they have the scene with her and the mom and like the pawn shop. And I'm like, again, this could have been done so much funnier, but they're trying to mix funny and dire. And we have a limited time before the spell is this and monsters and all these little crazy things. And it doesn't flow well. I would give that one like a six out of ten. Onward is the one where I just don't care. It's a Pixar movie, so you go in with high expectations. Mm -hmm. Even if you try and temper that with, well, I had high expectations for Onward, and it was kind of a bust, and high for Luca, and it was kind of a bust. And then you hear about Soul, and I'm like, I got to temper my expectations now because... Are you trying to give us a tangent to the next one, Tara? Because that was a pretty good title drop. Since you mentioned Soul, let's just go and talk about that real quick. I think Soul is great. But now this was the one that went full streaming that was never in theaters. Correct. Correct. That went straight to Disney Plus during the pandemic. Here's my issue with Soul. And part of my love for it probably is because I love jazz and I I I used to play trumpet. I'm surprised you didn't start out by saying this is like the best movie that isn't a Pixar Toy Story movie because I just love the jazz. The film's love for jazz is so well done. It's such a good movie. Better than the best but love in Luca. But here's my problem with Soul and this is why I'm crossing it off. Why is this a cartoon? All of the human being stuff could have been live action. All the jazz club stuff. And I know he dies pretty early on. I was watching it and I just couldn't stop thinking about why is this animated? And I know the afterlife stuff is different, especially when they're ghosts and especially when he meets uh, 23. I just thought she was kind of annoying. Oh, see, I thought she was funny. That issue kind of just hooked me and wouldn't stop nagging at me that I, I didn't think this needed to be animated. And I know that's a silly thing and, and we have to be nitpicky because these are all good movies and I like Soul. I'm wondering if they, if they could have done like a Mary Poppins sort of half and half. Maybe it could have been live action and then changes to animated when it goes to the other world. And I know maybe the styles wouldn't fit together. Have there been many good lately animated mix with um, real life stuff? Other than Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar. Oh yeah, I, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I can't think of any that really make the movie in such a way where it divides the worlds, where one world could be live action and one mm-hmm. world could be animated. That's but true. but pretty much every Star Wars movie and every Marvel movie are seventy percent animated anyway. Yeah. Like they're basically cartoons as it is. Mm-hmm. 
And I didn't really care too much for the body swap, like when he's in the cat. In my mind, we know the swap's going to happen. It would have been cooler if Joe ended up in his body and 23 ended up in the cat's body. Because now Joe technically has what he wants, but now 23 stuck in another body. Well, again, just like with Incredibles, the 8.5 thing, like I'm not really complaining exactly. Just we have to talk about something. I, I did much more enjoy how he got his kind of... I don't want to say like his understanding moment, but when he realized mm-hmm. that he's sitting down or 23 sitting down and getting the haircut and how Joe realizes that, hey, all I'm doing is focusing on, I got to get this jazz thing done. I have to do this performance. Mm-hmm. I have to do it. And then he does it. And he's like, that's it. Well, the moral is that you can find happiness in all sorts of places or maybe be happy with what you have yeah. or seeing the value in what you do. He can find joy in teaching others music. Yeah. It, it doesn't just, have to just It be... doesn't have to be about him. Yeah. Has Pixar ever done a non-animated movie? I mean, it's 90% animated anyway, but John Carter, that huge Disney flop. Was that Pixar? Well, here's the thing. It was made by Andrew Stanton, who made Finding Nemo. And it had been reported, maybe inaccurately, but it had been reported that it was going to be Pixar's first live action movie. And they knew going into it that the movie wasn't turning out very well. And I don't know if they decided to save the brand by not putting it on there. If I had to bet money, I'd probably say that the reporting was inaccurate. I don't think John Carter was meant to be a live-action Pixar. Um, Soul, though, Soul was interesting. I liked the idea of a before and an after and how the souls and the ghosts do different things to get their personalities. That was really cool. I liked the angular guardians, whatever they were, the Terrys and the Jerrys. But Joe himself was just kind of a boring protagonist. I mean, I'm still crossing it off. It's not perfect, but it's good. Soul's very good. Do we want to double back to Monsters University? No, we're going to save Monsters University for a minute. We're going to do Inside Out because that is kind of along the lines with Soul. It's a later Pixar one. Inside Out is pretty dang funny. Like I like Inside Out quite a bit. I'm just kind of disappointed we didn't see more of the control panel in different people's heads. They they have that in the ending. They cut to the dad. Yeah, like the dad, the mom, and the ending has got like the popular girl, the teacher, uh, the dogs, and the cats. Mm -hmm. That was actually like one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, and and all all of the all of the characters in the dad's head all have his mustache. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I like Inside Out quite a lot. And again, this is just going to go back to that struggle of how do we eliminate these? Because Pixar has made a lot of good movies. I like Inside Out. I will hang on to it for now. I'll go ahead and pair it with another movie. So one we haven't mentioned so far is Up. I think Up oh, is yeah. great. I think Up is great. I think Up and Inside Out are both very, very good films. I don't really have a complaint about either one. I think Up is probably the the more emotional film, which is funny. Since Inside Out is about emotions. I love Up. I love Inside Out. They're both very, very good. If we went into this and had excluded the Toy Story movies, my three would probably be Up, Incredibles, and Wally. So not Inside Out. I liked Inside Out, but again, I wanted more stuff of the other people's heads. That's the only thing I really wanted out of that movie, because that was just amazing to see that part. Mm -hmm. But Up was good. The only thing I had with Up was, how did the bad guy not age so much? I mean, I think he's supposed to still be like 90. Yeah, but we see Carl as a kid seeing the the bad guy, forget his name, you know, in his 20s or so. And then we see Carl at the end, and he's clearly retired age. Yeah. And the bad guy... Has aged, but does look like he aged that much. Well, some people age better. I mean, he's voiced by Christopher Plummer, who looked amazing all the way up until his 90s. That's true. Doug is fun. The dog. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. You kind of pause like, yeah. who's, who's Doug? Doug is great. And I'm going to have to toss Inside Out because I'm going to hold on to Up for now. Yeah. Yeah. Long story <laughs> short, I'm crossing off Inside Out and not for any bad reasons at all. It's just... Because it, it's so fun. It's so happy. Just like... And like, sad. Yeah. And it's and... No, I mean, Inside Out is good, but... Uh, 
I only have so much room. Seriously, the last like five minutes of that where it's got all the people's little panels. Mm-hmm. That's some of like the best cinematic stuff I can ever think <laughs> of. That's just hilarious. All right. So I mentioned earlier, I think Monsters University. I am crossing off Monsters University and Finding Dory. I think both of those are sequels that we didn't need. I know people wanted sequels because we like the characters from the first films, but kind of like Cars 2, Finding Dory, you're making a movie about the sidekick, and then Monsters University, I just generally kind of don't like prequels, but I also don't like the idea of characters you like being at odds with each other. I want to see Mike and Sully together. I don't want to see how they eventually became friends. I was going to say Finding Dory was looked really cool, but Finding Nemo didn't really need a sequel to me. I know they made it just because, hey, we can make a lot of money on this. That's the whole reason. Okay, that, that's every movie. Yeah. There's a difference between we're making a sequel because the story can and should continue. Onward is not going to hopefully get a sequel. That story's wrapped up. Well, Finding I, Nemo, the story was wrapped up. People like the characters. It has nothing to do with continuing the story. I know Finding Nemo's story is wrapped up, but I think they made Finding Dory's because people love Dory. People love Nemo. I think we got sequels because people want to see the characters again. And of course, Disney wanted to make a billion dollars. But other than that, it wasn't about continuing the stories. That wasn't a big deal. It was just about seeing these people again because people like them. But either way, broken record. Here we go again. I don't really have much to complain about. It wasn't as good as Finding Nemo or much of these other films on here. And then Monsters University in particular, I just didn't really care for. I don't care about Mike and Sully being enemies in high school or college in this college. case. And then becoming friends. Their fraternity brothers didn't matter because we don't see them in Monsters, Inc. One problem with prequels are you already know who's going to be in the main movie. So I was interested in Randall. I wanted to see mm. what, you know, Randy was like. And okay, Randy's this kind of little nerdy, geeky guy. And we see why he hates Sully and to a lesser degree, Mike in Monsters, Inc. But he wasn't the main focus of the movie. And it's not, again, it's not bad. Uh, Monsters University is not Cars 2 or Onward, for me at least. I do like Monsters, Inc. That's one That's one that grew on me quite a lot over the years. I didn't really love it at first. Oh, really? Yeah, but over the years, Monsters, Inc. Uh, has become a very well-liked movie. Like, I like Monsters, Inc. Oh, same here. It's one of my favorites, um, honestly. But I wouldn't put it above Wally or Up or Inside Out. And so I am crossing off Monsters, Inc. as well. Now I'm holding on to that one because it's a great story. We're not even looking at Monsters University now because the only reason I liked Monsters University at all was because of Randall. I wanted to see what reason he had to hate the main character so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but if I had a monster break through my closet door and start like bellowing at me, if it was Sully, okay, it's kind of scary, but it looks also like a really big fluffy teddy bear. You have a weird idea of what a fluffy teddy bear looks like. <laughs> Sully is a gigantic scaled monster He's not with scaly. huge He's teeth. furry. Well, no, but he has the sp- oh, he has the spikes down his back. It's yeah, not scales, if, whatever, and, yeah. and the tail and the teeth, and yeah. he's huge. He's baby blue with purple spots. That is not as scary as Randall. Either way, I'm going to get rid of Monsters University because Randall can't save it. He's not in the movie enough, and the rest of them just aren't very fun or likable. The movie itself is okay. Okay, but I'm <laughs> keeping Monsters Inc. Okay, I am going to go ahead and cross off Bugs Life. It was only their second movie. Uh, again, not bad. Just it doesn't particularly do anything for me. And that was the movie that DreamWorks had Ants come out with first. Like a yeah, few Ants came months. out a, a month before a month. Bug's Life, yeah. Mm-hmm. But didn't a Bug's Life do better than oh, yeah. Ants? Oh, yeah, Bug's Life did a lot better. Bug's Life had the Disney muscle behind it and also the goodwill of being the second Pixar movie. I will say that the designs in A Bug's Life were definitely cartoony, kind of like how Luca was and mm. the good dinosaur. But the grasshoppers looked like they came from a different movie entirely. Even the, the Black Widow and the Praying Mantis looked kind of cute and cartoony. The grasshoppers 
look like the game from a Tim Burton movie. They were terrifying. Mm. The grasshoppers were really cool still. I really enjoyed those guys. And I know Kevin Spacey. Well, we don't need to talk about Kevin yeah. Spacey, yeah. The grasshoppers made that movie kind of scary, honestly, for little kids. There, there is stuff to like in Bugs Life. I just can't keep that with everything else we have. Yeah, I got to go too. I'm also crossing off Finding Nemo. We talked about that briefly already, but I love Finding Nemo. I like Crush. I like the adventure. I think Dory being a sidekick in small doses mm-hmm. is great. Dory is a hoot in that movie. I'm sort of struggling, actually, to come up with a reason to cross off Finding Nemo. The only thing I can say is that it's not Wally. I mean, I keep going back to that, but Finding Nemo is not Wally. Wally, to me, is the one that could potentially take the spot of one of the Toy Story movies. I had the unfortunate luck to be working in an aquarium when the movie came out. Every day I heard people screaming about Nemo running to the coral reef tank we had and just beating on the glass because we had a pair of clownfish in there. The movie was great. The animation was awesome. The story was perfect. All the characters were awesome. It's just, like he said, we got to get down to the nitty gritty on this. Mm -hmm. Uh, One little fun part. I did a behind the scenes at SeaWorld for Finding Nemo. A bunch of the Pixar artists went to SeaWorld and to small aquariums over in San Diego and other spots in California to not just see how the animals looked, but see how they moved in the water and see how the landscape was going to be. Because you can just make an ocean scene generic or you can actually have the right animals and corals and anemones mm-hmm. and stuff so that's why part of finding nemo looks as good as it does yeah the the dentist fish the aquarium the yeah. aquarium yeah bubbles <laughs> <laughs> the animators and the story writers also did research because out of all those fish in there if you remember the the moorish idol the big gill the big black mm-hmm. and white one that got all scraped up on the side mm-hmm. he's a moorish idol and those guys do not dwell in captivity at all he would be the one species that would not be captive bred, doesn't do well in captivity, and he is the one species they had in the movie that kept trying to get back to the wild. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't mean anything to anyone who doesn't know fish, but to people who know fish, that's a really nice little thing. If, if it's the character. Yeah, yeah it's, if it's, it's the neat. character. All right, so the only ones that we haven't really mentioned so far then are Coco, Brave, and Toy Story 4. You mentioned Toy Story 4. I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> all right, well, Should we discuss Wally now? All right, let's fine. Let's talk. Fine. <laughs> Fine, we'll talk about Wally instead. Never mind the other ones I just listed. We'll, we'll talk about Wally. You keep um, mentioning Wally. I figure you, I mean, I'm looking at Wally right now, actually. Half of Wally is a silent film. It's, it's like a Charlie Chaplin love story. It's so well done. It's really nice. And the world building mm-hmm. and understanding his character and what he's doing. And he doesn't even talk. And he doesn't even talk. It's so well done. Wally is just an absolutely incredible film. And then when you get to the second half, where it sort of makes fun of the world and America in particular, you can kind of see where we're going. And then to yeah. realize that it's sort of a criticism of of how lazy we're becoming. <laughs> I did oh. like the portraits and the when it shows the captains and they're You see each, them all getting one, bigger. And you actually see some of the people like how do they they can't even really move when they're not in their chairs. Yeah, yeah, because they're just looking at their screens all day, which feels really familiar. What can they look at, really, besides the screen? They're in this giant spaceship. They've never seen anything outside the spaceship. Are you defending it? No. I'm just trying to say that, yeah, it's horrible life for them, but at least in the movie, they were starting to snap out of it. I'm going to double back real quick, Brave and Coco and Toy Story 4. Toy Story 4 is well made. I have a real big problem with it, mostly because they turned Buzz into a bit of an idiot. And then at (laughs) the end of the film, uh, Woody leaves his friends and family for an ex-girlfriend. Part of the issue, too, with 4 is that they abandoned most of the main cast of the series. Like, it's mm-hmm. really just about Woody and Forky. One of the heavy ideas that Toy Story 4 presents is, why am I alive? Which is a heavy trip <laughs> to that's put on a kid. Very heavy, especially even after coming with Inside Out and so yeah, forth. Yeah, like, that's so- why am I alive? 4, though, overall, I-, I miss the majority of the cast. I miss Buzz. 
not being kind of an idiot. I mean, he, he's always been a bit of an idiot, but in part four, it's almost like he's two steps back from the previous movie. <laughs> I am going to cross off Toy Story 4. I'm also crossing off Brave and Coco. I, I loved Coco. That's really hard to have to cross that off because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and we keep going in the same circle of these are good movies. Oh, no. Why do we have to do this? <laughs> oh, no, I, I feel no problem at all crossing off Toy Story Oh, 4. yeah. No, Toy Story 4. Is, I, yeah, we'll cross it, it off. Yeah. It had no Pixar soul to it. If you didn't tell me it was a Pixar movie, I would have assumed like someone else in Disney or someone Just else. Just somebody else. Someone yeah. else made it. Yeah. Because it doesn't have the same soul or feeling that any of the other Pixar movies yeah. pretty much have. Brave is not bad. I do really? not. I don't think Brave's bad at all. I, I just I think Brave is like almost with Onward with me. Really? Another fantasy film, so there you go. But I love fantasy um, films usually. I like Merida though. She was annoying to me. Really? I, you just I, don't like Scottish people. No, I like Scottish people. Every day Tara is sending me texts about how much she hates <laughs> Scottish people. Yeah, that's why I love I love Shrek so much. <laughs> right, right. No, I, I think No, one no, problem- Shrek's Canadian. He just sounds Scottish. Merida was cool. I think this was Pixar's attempt to maybe cash in on some of the princess stuff. There's a big difference between Merida and like Disney Snow White and Cinderella Sleeping Beauty where they do very little to advance their own story. Merida is a modern girl. She doesn't want to get married though she's a princess, but that stuff works. But after so many movies with princesses saying, I don't want to be a princess anymore. After a while, it just gets kind of boring. The animation was beautiful, but it wasn't a very fun story. Coco, though, it really hurts to have to cross Coco off because I love that movie. So Coco is really good. I do have at least one genuine complaint about Coco is the villain. A lot of these movies have super obvious villains. Yeah, yeah, the twist villain. And so you have this character that he looks up to who, of course, is a manipulative thief. And it's just so obvious from the start. That is a little weak for me. I like the underworld and it's, it's so visually, beautiful. oh man, the visuals are fantastic. God, it's so awesome. And looking. the music is good. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of Coco except for really anything involving the villain because it just feels like treading water. It feels obvious. Yeah, the, the twist villain was kind of obvious, but Coco's art was just so amazing. Mm-hmm. It is just such a good movie and it hurts so bad to cut it. It hurts in a way that it didn't hurt to cut Finding Nemo because yeah. all Nemo I can think of is the kids screaming Nemo and people buying all the clownfish, which totally misses the point of the movie. Coco hurts, but I still got to cut him. And I wanted to keep Coco because... Well, you could have. As far as my list, all I have left then are The Incredibles, Wally, Up, and the Toy Story trilogy. I don't know if I'm crossing off any of the Toy Story films because they're all so good. And I don't really think we need to waste too much time going over the individual films other than to say, of course, Toy Story was the first major theatrical computer animated film. And it went crazy. And it was a huge hit. The movie is hilarious. It's still funny. I think Toy Story 2 with the introduction of Jesse and Stinky Pete is even funnier. And for Toy Story 3, the part I want to mention, though, is the part in the Inferno. To have a scene where you might briefly think that the entire cast is going to die. And of course, watching it in your mind, you know they're going to get out of it somehow. But very few movies ever do this to where you actually see the characters giving up. They're in the trash. They're about to go in the Inferno. And Jesse calls out to Buzz and asks, what do we do? And he just looks at her. And then you see the look on her face And then all the other characters all realize that they're about to die and they all just hold hands and they're accepting that they're about to die. There's no panic. There's no screaming. They're not running. They they give up. You see the characters accept that they're about to die. And that is a dark, heavy moment. So dramatic and so well done. And even in theaters, like I had a a very brief moment, not long at all, because obviously you you know in these movies that they would not ever actually do this. Mm -hmm. But there's a a brief second where I was wondering, are they actually going to do this? 
And of course, the clock comes you, you never, the there's always that hope. Like you never accept that it's really going to happen. But like to but watch. give up. Yeah. To watch the characters give up. That's huge. And it's such a dramatic, excellent moment and so well done. And then right after that, when Andy, the grown up teenage Andy is giving his toys to Bonnie. Mm-hmm. As someone who does still collect some toys and I have a, a nostalgic appreciation for my childhood, that scene where he takes out Woody and Bonnie reaches for him and he recoils, he pulls he yeah, pulls he want, Woody back and it's him. like, oh man. And then just watching Andy accept that he has to get rid of this childhood item. And it's, you know, it's, it's representative of accepting that you're growing up. There comes a point where everyone has to give up their childish things or however that yeah. saying goes. And he starts, you know, waxing poetic about what Woody means to him. And mm-hmm. it's just so sad. It's like tearjerker in the way that you didn't think a movie about talking toys was going to get you. Yeah. Toy Story 3, though, might be the only movie I can think of where it's in a trilogy and you don't need the first two movies to understand everything that's happening. Toy Stories 1 and 2 are great, but other than adding in little bits of character stuff, you almost don't need them for Toy Story 3. Right. Toy Story 3 is an entire enclosed story. And on what you mentioned, too, about whether or not the film standalone is something that's come up in other episodes that I don't think you were in. Like Sean and I have had to talk about with the Halloween franchise. How do you pick a sequel without the original? Like, can Empire Strikes Back stand alone? And it really can't. No. It's great, but you really need Star Wars to understand it. Mm-hmm. But there are some sequels like Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, where it might be beneficial to have seen the first movie. But you don't need it. But you don't necessarily need it. The movie gives you everything you need. Uh, but yeah, each of the Toy Story movies, I think you can watch by themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, again, might be why it's not really ever talked about in terms of great trilogies, because it's not one big story. As much as I hate to do it, I'm keeping Toy Story 3, but dropping the other two. Of the options between keeping them or doing that, I can understand that at least. Because each one does get better. Two is better than one. Three is better than two. Toy Story 3 is just awesome. Even the twist villain is great. Oh, Lotso. Lotso's backstory is great. The whole uh, Buzz getting reprogrammed not once but twice and going Spanish is awesome. Trixie, the dinosaur. He's just a dinosaur. Yeah. just a dinosaur. It's just so good on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And that's why between like Toy Story 3 and Coco, I love Coco. I love Finding Nemo. But Toy Story 3 just has so much more in it. I don't think I can necessarily do what you just did. I'm tempted only because of Wally. I still have Up and Incredibles. I'm crossing them off. I hate to do it. It hurts. And so that does only leave me with Toy Story 1, 2, 3 and Wally. I'm keeping Toy Story 3. I'm keeping Monsters, Inc., and I'm keeping The Incredibles. Are those your three? Those are my three. Monsters, Inc. made it? I mean, it's I'm, good, but I I'm mean, they're he- all good. Okay, I just love that movie. And I still just like the character Randall, honestly. I, yeah. I like a movie just about the bad guy because he's so much more interesting. I still like Mike and Sully, but Randall's just awesome. I got my three. Now you got to kill a darling. Who's it going to be? Oh, my God. Um. I'm betting it's going to be Wally. Are you going to surprise me? I mean, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. This is one of those things where... Between Toy Story and Toy Story 2, every time I think like, okay, maybe I can cross off the first one, but then I think of all the great moments in it. So it's going to be Wally, isn't it? That that poor little <sighs> little robot's going to be left behind and be burnt to a crisp. It's tough. It's tough. Um, if we're picking four. <laughs> no, we're not picking four. I wish we were picking four. If we're picking four, you're stuck with Onward. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, Wally is so freaking good though. Okay. 
Uh, I hate to do it. I'm falling in line with where I started at the, at the beginning. You're going to kill the robot. You're killing I, I, the robot. I hate to do it. I hate it. I, I saw Wally seven times in theaters. Okay. <laughs> it's you're, so good. You're the one that always tells me, don't start out the list with already picking out the ones you're going to keep. No, no. I didn't start out by picking the ones. I just knew how important and good that trilogy so, is. So in other words, we should have pulled the Toy Story movies out entirely. Yeah, I mean, and that it would have yeah. actually been a challenge for you. So, are you telling me we're going to re-record this entire thing with the Toy no, Story no, movies no. gone? Because if, if so, I'm dropping Toy Story three and keeping Coco. No, no, no. <laughs> if we had excluded the Toy Story films, then my list would have been up Wally and Incredibles. But since we didn't, I'm crossing off Wally, and so now playing this week at Valley West Cinemas are Toy Story, Toy Story two, and Toy Story three. What do you think? Let us know on Twitter at VWestCinemas. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash valleywestcinemas. And of course, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. That helps us a ton. I'm your host, Aaron. I was joined this week by Tara. Thank you for listening.